If you'd like to purchase tickets for any future home games, there are a number of convenient ticket locations where that can be done. There's the ticket office open seven days a week on the street level. There is a ticket office at the foot of the Vanderbilt Avenue ramp. There's a ticket office in Pennsylvania Station. And you can make ticket reservations at any Howard Close store, or you can order your tickets by mail, addressing your request to ticket manager. Box seats are three fifty each. Reserved seats are two fifty each and close twenty-five cents additionally for postage and handling. And right now, in order to allow our stations to identify themselves, we pause now for station identification. Welcome to the BBA Today, your podcast that covers events around the Brewster Baseball Association every day with your host, Yellow Springs 9 General Manager, Ron Collins. And now, let's get on with the show. All right, and welcome to Episode 7 of the podcast. It's going to be a spectacular conversation again, even better than all of the rest, just like all of them are. Uh, today, I have Stephen Lane, who is the general manager of the Long Beach Surfers, uh, the gentleman who will soon be training Danya Chekhanov to the Yellow Springs Nine, if all of the rumors are, are to be believed. Uh, Matt Rechtenwald is also with us. He is the commissioner of the league and the general manager of the Nashville Bluebirds. Today, we're going to talk about something that actually Matt put into my brain a few days ago, and it's been percolating, and that is uh, payroll and in specific, some very low payroll teams. Uh, just to kind of tee this up a bit, the league averages $87.8 million in payroll. Uh, my Yellow Springs 9 are at the very top of that list at uh, just under the $110 million salary cap. But a few days ago, Matt uh, made a comment to me that uh, where he said that uh, we have several teams that are running very, very low payrolls. And when I put my eyeballs on the list and saw those three teams are Montreal, Twin Cities, and Wichita, with uh, Charm City just a little bit below that. And those three first teams are all kind of uh, super performers this year. Great performance, low payroll. And Charm City was kind of a media darling of expected to be a high performer. So I thought it would be really interesting to have these two fantastically experienced general managers around to bat this about and see what we can come up out of it. So thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Matt, for your time here today. Our pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. I feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> Deja vu. <laughs> Deja vu all over again. All over again. I still got to learn how to hit that red button, man. That's all there is to it. Uh, anyway, uh, without going too far astray here, let me open it up just by kind of generally throwing out there what are your guys' thoughts when you see this extremely low payroll with a couple of uh, really high performing teams? Well, my first thought is uh, Montreal, we've been talking about for the last couple of podcasts how good they're doing. Uh, you expect to see these teams with really low payrolls have a really low average age. Uh, Montreal does. They're averaging 25.32 years per player. Um, I'd also like to point out that the following teams have higher payrolls than the Montreal Blazers right now. Are you ready? Here we go. Baghdad, Istanbul, Beirut, Manama, Mumbai, Cairo and Bucharest. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> also interesting to note that the team um, between the BBA and the UMEBA with the 
lowest average age is none other than the team with the highest payroll, your Yellow Springs Nine. There you go. But we also see down there is uh, Montreal 25.32, Charm City 24.79, Twin Cities 24.75. Wichita is kind of the outlier. They are higher than that. They're 27.21 on age. Um, you know, we talked about Montreal and all the all the good young players they have. So clearly they have just a ton of people on their team right now playing for the minimum. Obviously, over the next six years, that's going to change. Stephen, what do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, when I, you know, if I'm doing a data analysis and when I like to make a graph, uh, not as often as Ron, but when I do, I look for uh, outliers. And uh, <laughs> there's some outliers here, uh, Montreal especially. Um, you know, you've got a, a, most of the teams around the average, um, you know, plus or minus uh, 5 to 10 million. Um, and then you've got Montreal, nearly 50 million under the average. Um so yeah, you know, like like you said, Matt, it's it's a lot of guys on min salaries, and um, that can only last so long. You make that graph comment as if not everyone just sits down at breakfast while they're eating their cereal and makes a graph of something. Is that? <laughs> I, am I, I don't understand. <laughs> like Montreal right now on their forty man roster has only uh, five players that are not in auto or RB years right now. Um, they only have six players making more than a million. Their highest paid player is Kevin McKeith at $4.84 million. So they have not added a lot of free agents, nor have they needed to. They're kind of in that perfect spot right now, um, you know, where they have all this young talent, but they also have just considerable room on the payroll. Uh, where they could add players should they need to. Yeah, that makes me ask the following question as far as what do you expect them to, you know, they've got the teams like the Twin Cities and the Montreals, uh, who I think as a general rule over the past couple of days, I've gotten the feeling from the community that they feel like Montreal and Twin Cities are real. Uh, Wichita is another low payroll team. Uh, They just have had a couple of injury issues. Um, Nigel and I had a little conversation about their depth or lack thereof. So perhaps Wichita may be on their way down. Charm City was underperforming and all that other good stuff. Uh, Perhaps they will turn the corner and perhaps not. But the bottom line is all four of these teams are low payroll. Do you expect to see them go to the free agent pool next year? What do you think, Stephen? Uh, I think they should. Um, I think a team like Montreal may be tempted not to, um, but, uh, you know, obviously they're a a very good team. um, But, you know, there are some places where I think uh, there could have been upgrades uh, this past offseason with a free agent or two, um, you know, on a on a one to three year deal. Uh, to make an immediate improvement to the team without uh, handicapping them as as these young stars move into arbitration, um, and uh, yeah, I think that that you know there's only so much there's only so much money you can stockpile uh, before it starts disappearing into the ether. So 
Um, I, you know, if these GMs are smart, which I, I believe they are, um, I think we we will see them spending some money. Here's a forecast. Uh, you guys tell me. Uh, take the take the. Uh, uh, is it a over under thing? I don't know. Uh, say that there is a, a huge arm on the free agent market next year, and you've got both Montreal and Twin Cities um, vying for it. Over under forty five million dollars for that first year. Obviously, we're speaking of Ernesto Ramos right now. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Which, I'm serious, I was just getting to the point where I was going to come and say the uh, the next, the upcoming free agent pool is not incredibly deep. Um, but there are a couple of top-line guys, namely one being Ramos. Would Montreal spend $45 million a year on him? I didn't say a or, year, the first year. Oh, for well, forty-five million over under. Over. Yeah, I. Um, I yeah, I mean, it takes a certain type of GM to to make that deal, but that's probably the smart move. Is is go heavy on year one, year one and year two, because you know Ramos in particular at twenty-seven, he's going to want a long-term deal, so he's not a guy you're going to be able to sign for short term. I'm looking at Montreal's future salaries right now with uh, our projections. Uh, they're they're projected to crest in 2044 at 61 million. Yeah, I would I would guess that that's a fairly conservative estimate, um, especially the way we've seen some arbitration prices go up lately. Um, but yeah, that's you know that's still. Even if it's ten or or fifteen more than that, it's still a huge amount of room against the cap. Yeah, I picked that forty-five number specifically because of a couple of the old, um, you know, old stories around Tunabaka and Savage. You know, were what fifty-two and sixty million in their first years. So that that the market will be interesting to watch. There, talk to me. What do you think um, these? Four teams, I'll add Charm City in there, Montreal, Twin Cities, Wichita, and Charm City. Are they basic, are we seeing the um, the four teams that will be the dominant teams, uh, maybe not this year and next year, but within two to three years, will we see the reign of those four teams uh, coming in, or uh, are they still going to have to knock off the Kings? Well, it's all speculation until it's done. Well, of um, course, but I want you to speculate that being said, I'm looking at farm systems as well. Of the four, Montreal still has uh, four guys in the top 100. Charm City's uh, got three there, or two, one of which is already in the bigs. Twin Cities with three, and then we're talking Wichita as well. Yeah, they're in there as a uh, as a very low payroll team. So who is performing? Wichita has exactly zero prospects in the top 100. I would say Montreal is a for real contender. Um, I think they have everything set up to be one of the one of these perennial powerhouse teams, assuming Jeffrey stays the course. Um, with the other ones, I'm looking for a little bit more, you know, before we crown them. You know, if you want to crown them, crown the ass, right? <laughs> yeah, Stephen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think Montreal is the most real. Um, of the four, uh, I think their 
farm is is fine um but they don't need a good farm right now at least for the next six or eight years uh i think i agree on the assessment of wichita i don't think they're as good as their record indicates right now um and i don't see much in their farm to be excited about uh twin cities i think probably behind um montreal there They've got uh, they've got a really like I don't see any holes um, on the on the roster. It's kind of astounding. And uh, you know they've got a they've got a few pieces in the minor leagues. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, I, I would uh, tend to agree. I look at uh, Twin Cities and I see the Calgary of the future coming along. They're just a, a steady, solid performer who could step up any particular year. Montreal looks like. Um, Perhaps if they do a uh, Aaron kind of a deal where he, you know, pick up one big guy like he picked up Cannon, the one piece that he needed to suddenly turn mm-hmm. him into a beast. In <laughs> uh, Charm City, I mean, I would feel much more comfortable about Charm City if they. I, I thought that Charm City was going to be moving up uh, last year, uh, and they didn't really. And then they have come out of the gate slow again this year. So I'm wondering whether they're squandering their time uh, or not just by raw hamp- uh, happenstance. Wichita clearly needs a whole lot more depth before you'd start to put them in there. The other question that came to mind, and I haven't had any time to really look at it, is historically, uh, is this situation odd with these low low uh, payroll performers? Um, it made me wonder, do we know who the lowest payroll was to win a Landis? Oh, jeez. No, I sure don't. Even do you have any idea? I don't have any idea. Jeez, Ron, you're putting us on the spot yeah. here. <laughs> I know. I, I, I haven't done my homework on that either. I was just wondering if you had a feel for it. I mean, if Montreal were to pull this off somehow on a, what, 36, 7, 8 million, whatever payroll, uh, that would be like um, an astounding story right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think they've got the, the talent on the roster to do it, but... Uh, I don't recall a team with that low of a payroll ever being in it. I mean, the only example I can somewhat think of was Atlantic City, but then they went out and uh, bought those two really expensive pitchers. Yep. Um, One of them was Eduardo Lopez, damn it. 2022, they had a payroll of $87 million that year. Yeah, even in um, when I won in, in 29. Um, I had just come off of a, uh, two years prior, I was at bottomed out at 55 wins and then it went up to 71 wins and then 98 wins in the Landis. And by that time, my payroll was up to 91 million. So, yeah, um, you can find a lot of, uh, Landis winners. I think, you know, I, I went back a few years, I'm going to release actually a feature to be a companion to this. Um, so people can actually see the chart that I put together and whatnot, uh, that, that we're cribbing off of because, you know, you must have charts. I mean, that's, I, of I course, you can have charts. a conversation without a chart. I mean, ah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but you can find Landis winners who are down in those, uh, you know, pretty far off of the salary cap. I don't know that there is a direct correlation between close to right. salary cap and salary and uh, Landis winners, but I've not, going back a few years, I've not found anything that's even close to uh, some of these guys. So it would be no, the lowest. Yeah, the lowest one I'm finding just scrolling through is Hawaii 2025. Looks like they were at 84 million for their payroll. Oh, there you go. 
I see a I see a Des Moines nineteen ninety eight. Now you know who knows how accurate that is, but a payroll at seventy four. Oh yep, there you go. Man, the league historian is coming to the table here. He's bringing his chops to the table. Hackensack ninety seven seventy one million dollars. Well, that's well, the, this. This is riveting radio right here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a. a the BBA today meets the AFBI. <laughs> hey, Bron, what's the uh, lowest payroll that the nine want to land us on? <laughs> oh, 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 man. Let me pull that knife right out of my heart. <laughs> wow. I say, uh, I, uh, let, me, let me bring this to the end on that. Do you have any other <laughs> final statements that you'd like to make around payroll and how you see things moving out toward the future? Will other teams be in this situation? Is this perhaps a remnant of the big drafts that we've had here recently over the past five years or so? What are your thoughts? Leave On the way out, what's your one-liner? I'll get my one-liner is uh, spend your budget, man. If you've got, if you've got payroll flexibility with budget and, and cap, spend it. You know, did, you can find a spot. You can always find a spot for a guy on a one- or two-year deal. I'll say a couple things, you know, for a team like that, that has that much cap room, there are teams out there looking to dump guys that will not only give you the guy for free, but probably also give you a spec to go along with him. And uh, secondly, I have your record, by the way, and it's 2001 Las Vegas Hustlers, 70 million. There's the target, guys. There You see it in front of you. All righty. Well, thanks for your time here today, and uh, we will we will bring it to the end with that, and uh, look forward to another riveting episode of the baseball uh, the baseball today. Gee, many Christmas the beach <laughs> yeah. <today> tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ron. Thanks. I'll be out on that. <laughs> uh, every step of the way today has just been uh, <laughs> whatever. Every day. Music is bold statements available at Fesleyandstudios.com and used in attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow.